All right, let's be straight up. You've heard it like 50 times. You hear it five times a day. We are now in uncharted territory, uncertain times. You've heard it all said a hundred ways, a hundred times. It's true. It's absolutely true. But you know what? It's not all doom and gloom. We can both be aware and upset and curious and we can all struggle and we can look for opportunities, opportunities for reinvention, opportunities for connection, opportunities for community in ways that we have not been able to or we may not have had the same lens as we do now. And that is the story for today's show. Um, taking this conversation between yours truly and three of my dear friends. Two of these friends are brothers, Mark and Brian Canlis, and the other is a renowned chef, the James Beard Award-winning Best New Chef. His name is Brady Williams. And these three gents, Brian, Mark, and Brady, uh, have come together on the show today. Uh, this is a recording of Creative Live TV at creativelive.com slash TV production. If you are just now uh, coming out for un- under a rock somewhere and you haven't been paying attention to what that is, you should go check it out. Um, but in short, this is a conversation we, we recorded on the launch day where we kicked that off. And it is the well to give you a little backstory mark and brian run a restaurant called canless that is their last name it is a longtime family legacy um an iconic restaurant probably the most iconic restaurant in the pacific northwest they've won numerous awards the restaurant has been around for 70 years three generations have run this restaurant in their family. And it is the place to go in Seattle if you've got a special event. And these two brothers, Mark and Brian, have been running this restaurant, I think, for 17 years now. Um, they recently hired a couple of years ago Brady Williams. He just, as I mentioned, won James Beard Best New Chef. And what these three men have done to their business in the course of the last four weeks is remarkable. Imagine having a 70 year old legacy and then it goes to zero. That's right. Nothing. So what have they done? They have reinvented themselves now three times because two concepts that they came up with also were a huge success, but had unforeseen downstream circumstances. One of which they started a burger joint out of this super fancy restaurant. Thousand people lined up (laughs) for hamburgers. They did a thousand burgers and that created a traffic problem in Seattle. So they had to pivot again. And what this story is, is regardless of what industry you're in, regardless if you're um, a designer, regardless if you're a chef, um, a printmaker, an entrepreneur, it does not matter. The stories that we will, we share in our conversation that emerge rather from our conversation are stories of reinvention, stories of overcoming obstacles, stories of problem solving, because at the end of the day, that's what it means to be a creator and an entrepreneur. So there's three bits inspiration, one bit, oh my God, what am I doing? Uh, you get to be inside the mind of an entrepreneur hearing Mark and Brian talk about how they solve these problems. And in short, this is just a fantastic discussion. A little bit of food, food and food porn for those of you who are into the culinary arts um, and a whole a whole lot of entrepreneurship and a ton of wisdom and heart. You're going to love this conversation. So I'm going to get out the way. But before we do, just a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, quick question for you before we get into the episode. Do you feel stuck by any chance? Do you feel like your dreams are, are a bit out of reach or you've got more potential with this one precious life? 
than you're realizing today, right this moment. You know what? I got an idea. Life isn't about finding fulfillment and success. It's about creating it. So to that end, I wrote a book. It's a new book. It just dropped in September. It's called Creative Calling, and it became an instant bestseller when it was released this past September. Now, if you dig this podcast, then this book is the perfect, and I mean perfect, companion because it takes the ideas we discuss here in the show, creativity, entrepreneurship, how to pursue your dreams and career, hobby, and in life, and it organizes them in a super clever and incredibly practical way that will help you take action in pursuit of your dreams. So I do have an ask, and that ask is that you pick up a copy or two, or who am I kidding, maybe 10. But again, here's why. This is not about a transaction. This is about a message and a movement. You see, creativity is a force inside every one of us that when it's unleashed, it transforms our lives and delivers vitality to everything we do. Establishing a creative practice is therefore, in my opinion, the most valuable and urgent task that you can do. It's as important to our well-being as exercise and nutrition. So I put everything I had into this book. I mean everything. It's 10 years in the making. Now, I know from math and numbers that a lot of you who listen to the show have already purchased the book, and for that, I say thank you, uh, and I have a, a separate ask of you, and that is, one, if you haven't left a review, it would mean the world to me. I read them regularly, um, and I'm sharing them on my social, and I'm just so grateful to have your feedback. And thing two, thank you for being the messengers for this book. I know, as do you, that Word of mouth is the most powerful way that we learn about things in our culture. And the fact that the book, you know, went straight to the bestseller lists and is continuing to um, have incredible traction on a global level. I know that you're active and I just want to say thanks. All right. Thanks very much for listening. And now let's get back into the show. I am happy to be joined by some legends in Seattle and the national food scene, um, the Canlis brothers, Mark and Brian, and uh, the James Beard best new chef, uh, Brady Williams. So uh, for those of you, again, who are just joining, um, the Canlis restaurant here in Seattle has taken a leadership role in um, food service around the country by pivoting a 70-year-old restaurant concept, which is fine dining here in Seattle. Um, it is the place where um, if you want to have a special occasion, you go to Canlis. And they have, in the, in the space of just a, a matter of a week or two, pivoted and are now doing um, burgers. And, well, I'll let them talk about all the things they're doing. But it's just a complete um, revolution for them and, uh, and an adaptation in, in really crazy times in order to um, keep their business running, but also to be an amazing service to the community. So um, welcome, and uh, we'll be on the phone with these guys here for uh, the next 60 or so minutes. I know we we're, we're, uh, need to keep an eye on Chef's time because he's got uh, about 500 burgers to cook, but I, I wanted to pass the mic to, uh, to Chef Brady. Um, and when you know, Mark and Brian said, from a business perspective, all right, you know, we're seeing these things and, and I understand just, uh, from what Mark was saying, you know, we could do this in four days. Um, how do you, how did you pivot your team and your kitchen? Um, and what was the, um, inspiration behind going from, um, steak à poivre to burgers and ice cream sandwiches? How'd you do it? And what was the uh, inspiration behind it, Brady? Uh, that's a good question. Um, well, I mean, 
we, we did it out of necessity. That was the inspiration. It wasn't, there wasn't necessarily, we had this in our back pocket, ready to pull this out. Um, I mean, I think everyone on our team kind of knew what, where things were, were, were heading and knew that um, the threat of the virus affecting business was was real and imminent. So, um, I mean, it just started with a, a simple conversation with my sous chef team, which is about six people, um, kind of letting them into our thinking early um, and getting them behind the idea. And then from there, it's just a matter of kind of mobilizing everyone, delegating and, and writing, basically just writing an, an action list of like, what do we need to do as quickly as possible to pull this off? And so, um, obviously going from a kind of like a tasty menu, fixed menu to a, to a burger joint, um, is about as hard of a turn as you can, as you can make. Um, I mean, for us, it was just a matter of ordering, uh, getting the equipment that we need. I mean, our, our executive team that was in that initial meeting, um, all had their roles that they played. And, um, yeah, I think it was just like, once we made the decision to do it, everyone realized, okay, we're behind this, we're going, and it was just like no looking back. So, um, it's like a big, there's a different feel in the restaurant before that decision and after. And yeah, I remember asking the staff, like, you know, hey, we have this idea, but you don't have to do it. Like, it's we kind of made it a, a all volunteer thing, and um, just the feeling in the restaurant when we said, okay, this is this is going to be our move, and this is how we think we can navigate this thing. Um, there was just a sense of hope and of energy and like, Hey, put me in coach. And yeah, the, vibe, the vibe was one of like uncertainty and kind of, yeah. um, like tentativeness and tension because we all knew the fear. there wasn't really a plan fear. And then, yeah, to Mark's point, once we announced this, it was like, everyone was like, okay, we can get behind this. Let's, let's rally, rally around this. Let's do something. And then I think within the I mean, within days of or a day of announcing this to our staff, we saw large restaurant restaurant groups around the country shut down, people losing jobs, and so, um, I mean, I think everyone was like, "Let's let's give this a shot and see and see where this goes." Well, what helped you all see what? that this was? Um, sorry for interrupting you there, uh, either Brian or Mark. I think I might have stepped on your toes there for a second, but um, you, my wife Kate and I are. Um, proud supporters of Seattle's food universe. We're partners in some restaurants and um, we saw a huge, a huge different scope of reactions from um, the, the restaurant tours in Seattle. And I'm using this as not just an example. This is not just about food and restaurants, right? This is about creators and entrepreneurs all around the world. And we're just looking at it through this lens of, of the restaurant scene here in Seattle, which is one of the first and hardest hit um, areas. So, you know, there were folks that close that are, um, you know, that have 10 to 15 spots here in the city or certainly in the Northwest. And we saw some entirely closed layoff 800 people. We saw others go to a limited schedule. Um, and you know, was there anything about the ecosystem that made you guys do the things you did or was it you know, did you, was it a lot of introspection is like, what's the canless response to this? And again, by extension, I'm, I'm trying to put myself in the, 
the minds and the hearts of the entrepreneurs all over the place because a lot of businesses are being closed. And for the folks who do want to go forward, um, what is it that they're doing and what's the mentality behind it? Because I think that's the most important thing in this uh, in this time. So talk to us about you know how you feather. That's There's a big range. And how did you decide that you were going to pivot, you were going to lower the price point, you were going to like... Talk to me about that. I, I would, you know, we're, we're, we're an old restaurant, right? We've, we've been around 70 years. Uh, but we have been working for the last 10 or 15 years on getting younger and more agile and more nimble. Uh, in fact, every January, we, we close our restaurant down for a little bit of time. And we go away, with just the executives. There's about six or seven of us. And we reinvent the restaurant, again, we're always having this conversation, which is, how do we make the restaurant feel new this year? What, how are we not resting on our laurels? How do we not get stuck? How do we continue to innovate? It's one of the reasons why we are thriving as a business and we're 70 years old, which isn't super common. And so as a result of those conversations over the last several years, we, Brady has radically changed the way we source. We've changed our menu. We've changed our style of dining. We've changed... Uh, so much. We haven't changed our values. We haven't changed the mission of our company, but we've changed what it looks like all the time. And then we started doing things like these pop-ups in our parking lot, and we built a Shake Shack, and we did a milk bar, and then we started, we did a giant, I don't know if you ever came, Chase, but we did this hot tub oh, yeah. oh yeah, Hawaiian <laughs> party with a thousand people drinking White Claw every night in our parking lot with DJs, and we've we've trained our staff to be able to like turn on a dime and and not just get stuck in one thing we yeah, are we want to be we want to be nimble underestimated parts of our, our our story or the untold part is our stuff is really prepared for this based on the last couple of years of yep hawaiian night pop-ups and new year's parties and yep. you know having two thousand people a day in our parking lot out of a shipping container kind of and it's like un. I mean, we weren't expecting it, but prepared us for, for this moment. Um, so yeah, our staff that was here for that knew how to think outside the box. How to, they knew how to make more from less and be resourceful. Um, yeah, and do yeah. something a little crazy that doesn't make sense fully, but works out in the end. And that's not unique to Canlis, right? I mean, Chase, to your point, like there's so many entrepreneurs. There's so many um, just owners and leaders of businesses, small and large, who have that mindset, right? Um, it's a piece of Canlis' story that doesn't get told a whole, a whole lot because the restaurant's been here a long time. Um, but under the underpinnings of Canlis, it certainly has this ethos, this idea that uh, we've got to be creating all the time. Otherwise, I don't think we deserve the reputation that we have. And so that's something you're earning nightly. And um, in this case, it happened to put us to, um, to have us be more prepared for something like this, but I, look, it's not um, it's not unique to Canlis, and I don't think our story um, as a restaurant um, is particularly unique either when it comes to to this kind of uh, response. I think all of us are asking the question all the time: Okay, what can what can I do, and um, what do I have at my disposal? What can we pull together? How can I help? I think that's. Um, I think that's the response, um, the responsibility of business all the time is to be saying, how do we engage here? How do we engage our employees? How do we engage 
the people around us, our neighborhood. And so to me, this was, um, sure, it's been described as a pivot, which is, I already have pivot fatigue, but um, it, to me, it is, it is uh, more, accurately, more accurately a response of 115 employees saying, um, this is going to be hard. What can we do? And, and we were a, yeah, there's a restaurant on a freeway. So drive through was like, you know, no brainer. If there's, <laughs> if, if, if there's one book I could recommend right now to people to read, it's Simon Sinek's The Infinite Game. Uh, in fact, I, I host a conference in New York City called the Welcome Conference. You can go um, check out. He did a speech about 20 minutes long called The Infinite Game. Uh, and it's this mindset where um, you're you're in it for for forever. Like the the rules will always be changing. Um, but if if you have this mentality that you're never going anywhere, uh, like failure is not an option. He talks about why we lost the Vietnam War and we how do we win every battle and yet lost the war? And it's because the United States had a finite mindset. We're going to go in, do something, and get out. And whereas the, the the Vietnamese said, "This is our home, and we're not going anywhere. We're uh, we're in this forever." And so at, at Canlis, I, I can't when wait things started Simon, getting hard, how Simon I can't wait to hear Simon's uh, opinion of your summary <laughs> of his speech. This is really oh yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Fun. Like I don't know. But, maybe you get like a B plus somewhere in that range. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> but. What what was cool was when, you know, when things started getting hard around here and slow, we, we never even talked about closing the restaurant. We talked about, all right, the rules are different. Uh, what does the city need? Obviously, they don't need fine dining. Um, I think it was Brady who first said, uh, let's turn this restaurant into a drive-thru. Um, I think or I think Mark was the first one that maybe said, Actually, in New York City, the guy who owns Shake Shack, who runs Shake Shack, said, you know, what you guys ought to do is a drive-thru. I was like, actually, he was joking, but it stuck. (laughs) So what what got crazy is I had a baby, um, our third, and so then I suddenly disappear into the ether of newbornness. uh, And then Mark... And Brady and the team, you guys opened three restaurants back to back in three days. That's where things got nuts. Well, say would say more about what you mean by that, because you have one physical building, but uh, three restaurants. Talk to me more. Yeah, well, you guys did it. Timing of having a baby, also that was <laughs> that was. Hey, what, I, yeah. what do you think about that timing, Brady? I mean, we were all giving birth that week. <laughs> yeah. We have 115 kids. Not as well as Mackenzie. <laughs> Brian's got a beautiful baby no. boy, and that was uh, the timing of any child is perfect, in my opinion. But, um, you know, we shut down a fine dining restaurant and opened on Monday. We opened a drive through that uh, was moving, I don't know, uh, what would we sell? A thousand burgers? A thousand burgers. thousand burgers. Two hours. Five hours. Next day, we opened a bagel shed um, in our in our parking lot, just sort of this pop up idea of taking a big wood fired oven we got out there. And uh, one of our expediters, she is a really talented baker and uh, comes from the Lower East Side of Manhattan. And Brady, who's from Brooklyn, does like a legitimate bagel. You know, and those are hard <laughs> to come by in this town. And so we were like, why don't we bake bagels? It was just the idea of like, how many jobs can we create here? And sometimes I think of Canlis as like a model of inefficiency. 
like 115 people just to serve six dinners a week. And so um, the third idea was was home delivery, CSA boxes um, from the farms and home delivery of family meals. Um, just if our servers can take food from the kitchen to the table, then they could take it, put it in their car and bring it to your home. So those are the, when we say three restaurants, those are three different concepts that we opened in order was, to yeah, enough jobs. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Mm. And and groceries and and groceries yeah and grocery delivery and now piano live stream at night but it was i mean the response uh was was wonderful and terrifying i mean mark how many people screamed at you trying to manage traffic on queen anne a couple of screamers yeah we hired a, a professional crew of four guys we had four <laughs> of our people out there every time we turn this thing on the lines I mean, it's the only traffic in Seattle. We will say that. The one amazing thing about uh, these days is that there's no traffic in a city known for traffic. But, um, you know, there were lines that stretched six and seven blocks around the restaurant. And that's just so inconvenient for the neighbors. So then we had to figure out, well, shoot, you know, we do one thing and create a bad thing at the same time. So how can we manage that? And um, I spent a week marshalling traffic, which... If the restaurant thing doesn't pan out, I kind of feel like I'm a natural. I'm just gonna be honest. I feel like, I feel like I'm, like, I'm my you, yeah, you, you get kind of you get real serious though. You, you go zone. I had like I had four different. Yeah, just you anyway. needed a whistle is what you needed. A whistle and a crossing guard, like a stop sign. Yeah, I'd, be I'd be I'd be I'd be over whistling. I think you. I can just but, see it I'm right now, problem. directing traffic. Move from the. Anyway, uh, yeah, it was nuts. I think it was a car every forty-five seconds. We were pushing through there, and that was a volume that eventually we just thought was untenable. Um, there was no way to to not shut traffic down and also serve all these burgers and do it in a way that we felt comfortable with. So we ran that thing for a week and a half, and then on Monday, not all. Oh, God. Days, <laughs> it feels right? like 100 years. <laughs> we turned around. Remember Monday morning? I'm saying it's been every Monday. Monday morning, we came in, and every one of us on the team sat around this table that I'm sitting at, and we said, is this the right move for the coming week? And nobody wanted to say no, but we all felt it. And 15 well, minutes. Well, yeah, because we had, we, we had created a business that people loved. We had 1,000 people or more coming every day. We were able to pay our bills, like, we were one of the few restaurants in the country uh, that was with employees coming to work with a smiling face and, and, and guests still leaving happy. And, and then we had to take, make the hard decision of maybe it's not the best decision for this week. Yeah. Right. Um, as, as, as the virus continued to spread that um, things got harder and sadder and more unsafe and, Suddenly, bringing a thousand people to your restaurant every day, uh, and the chaos of delivering that many meals safely—I think that became the wrong priority. It's not uh, worth it. T- ten days before, it was forward thinking, and then ten days later, it was backwards thinking. Was and Chase, if there's if there's a lesson in this, um, you know, everyone's like, "Oh, you guys are so prescient, be ahead of your time." No, we came up with an idea that worked for a week, yeah. and and then we had to have the the guts to have to come up with another idea. And I think that is. Um, that's the lesson here. It isn't that, you know, you figure something out and you can see 10 miles down the road. You can't right now. Yeah. You don't have a searchlight. You don't have your high beams on. You got like a lamp and you can see a few feet down the road. <laughs> That's enough to take a couple of steps. And as a team, we have just been asking ourselves the question nonstop 
okay, if if I can't figure out the future, let me just figure out the next couple of steps, right? And yeah. so that we did a drive through. Ten days later, we shut it down. Um, which later in life, people will do a drive through again because that was a ton of fun. Um, <laughs> well, we still have we still had so many cars come every day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. For burgers. Yeah. Well, I know that's on my route home from Creative Live. So I saw the uh, traffic jam every every day so, and was excited for you. Pastry chef makes like ridiculous desserts, right? But, but the ice cream sandwich might forever be seared in my mind. is more like one of the happy moments of the last year for me. It was just, yeah, it was good. So, uh, and so were the burgers. Brady makes a good burger. We're taking all the dried meat we had and grinding it up and making a burger out of it. So it's, it was I mean, that That had to be, I mean, Mark, I love Randy and Shake Shack, but I think Brady's burger was the best burger I've ever had. It was that, so that also helped. Damn good. It was uh, really good. I'll confess, my favorite uh, is to um, just have something arrive from the kitchen, and whether it's a burger or I've had a couple of uh, pieces of meat that are just remarkable that just show up. And so uh, the fact that he could be in the back there and whip up a burger does not surprise me one bit. Um, but I, I want to just recapture to do two things. First, welcome people who have just joined us from all over the world. Um, I'm Chase Jarvis, the founder and CEO of Creative Live, and I'm sitting here with um, my dear friends, uh, two gents, the Canlis brothers, Mark and Brian, and uh, the chef at Canlis, they're the proprietors, and then the chef at Canlis, Brady Williams, uh, James Beard, um, best new chef. And we're talking about how to reinvent your business on the fly. And we're doing this through the lens of a restaurant, but... Um, Everyone out there listening knows that what we're really talking about is through all of the creators and the entrepreneurs who your world's shifting um, under your feet in real time. Um, this isn't about food. This is about reinvention. It's about um, following your heart, your mind, um, and where the market is going. And what we've heard, just a quick summary, that especially just in the last, um, I'd say, three to five minutes, where, where it's, it's not about seeing the whole staircase. It's about seeing the next stair. And you, if you usually in a in a normal economy can you know have your high beams on and you can see all the way down the road, right now what you might have is a candle and you feel like you're in the dark. And you know this 70 year old restaurant has pivoted three times in the last week. Um, each one arguably finding success, but maybe creating uh, downstream problems. And I think Brady said it really really well also earlier, which is. Hey, look at, we solved the problem. We were ahead of our time and, and created, you know, one opportunity for ourselves. And then 10 days later, we were not out of fashion in the sense of like not trendy because the line was so long. You had, you know, serving a thousand burgers through your, you know, people driving by your restaurant. But that actually then created uh, potentially a health risk or a like, wait a minute, we don't want to get all these people together. And, and you know, as as um, Mark said, we're creating a traffic jam in the neighborhood and that's not kind to our neighbors. So uh, just a reminder that there's, you know, constant reinvention. Um, I want to go to Brady and say, you know, as someone who uh, has established a relationship with uh, the food world as, again, best you know, best new chef in a fine dining universe. Um, is there, is, you know, are you all practicality and at the end you want to be making things that people want and need, or is there some blow to the ego or to, um, the, 
mindset or the story that you've told yourself about who you are as a chef um, to, to, you know, pivot to this, a burger and ice cream sandwiches or to now delivery into people's homes across the city of Seattle and the region. Um, tell us a little bit about, you know, what's in the mind of the artist and how you've adapted. Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, like I started cooking because I love feeding people and we love caring for people. Um, and there's no ego in that. Um, now, of course, like when you're doing things at a certain level, you want to express yourself um, maybe in a certain way or with a certain aesthetic or style. <clears throat> um, but I think it was important in, in this was just uh, we were kind of deciding what was best for for everyone. Um, I mean, we just wanted to care for people during this time. And so um, I love cook like cooking casually which is like what we're doing now uh is is, is hard it's it's it, it's cooking simply is hard and um I, we can still I, I, we can create a great product by using um the same great ingredients that we are to run this fine dining restaurant um the same level of care and love and technique that goes into you know our our tasting menu as we do uh, meatballs for a thousand people like we did last night. So, um, at the end of the day, we just, I mean, we want to, I want to, um, and, and pour myself, uh, into whatever it is that we create. And so for me, the pivot was, was fairly easy. It wasn't, there was no pushback. I, I, I'm excited Great, to do I'm really Thanks. loving cooking pozole and cooking duck cassoulet and doing all these things that honestly I don't get to do day in and day out. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, the whole delivery thing kind of started was like, you know, I mean, Brian, uh, as he said, like had a baby and I've signed up to like meal trains before. Right. And so when you cook for something like that, that's like scaled out and you're cooking for a family in their home, like you don't, you don't do, you know, Dungeness crab egg custards. Like you do comfort food. You do the food that people want to eat and enjoy night in and night out. So. Love it. I, I went to the kitchen, Brady, what was that last night or two nights ago? And there was just, I can't remember. It was like, you guys are producing such a vast quantity of food, right? And I said something to the effect of, remember when we used to run a fine dining restaurant? Like, I was just overwhelmed at, like, the difference. And and you said, what do you mean? Um, you know, this is fine dining. And and it was, it was such a proper correction because, yeah, maybe it doesn't look like the white tablecloths and the, the tweezers and the precision that, but the amount of care that's going into the cooking, um, the, the ingredients that are going into it, the, the amount of consideration that is going into making a meal here and getting it to someone's home out those windows. Um, we often say that fine dining is just the most considered form of dining and the most considered way to, to, to care for someone with food. And, I don't think our consideration has dropped any. I don't think Brady's consideration has dropped any. And I think it's a testament to to who he is, to how he runs a kitchen. And um, uh, yeah, Chase, you you have to try the duck castle. It's so good. <laughs> like, so maybe it's not, seems not fancy. Um, oh man, I love me some comfort food and, though. <laughs> and so in a certain way, I think Candlest is doing what it's always done. Uh, maybe this is, Somebody said to me earlier in an interview, like, is it really hard to be a different canless? And I said, I don't think it is different. I think we, um, I, in many ways, I think we are more us in this time than ever. And 
Like we got a weird mission statement. It's to inspire people to turn toward one another. That's been the mission of this company for a long time. And when you look at, um, when you look around the world right now and you see the physical turning away from the distancing, um, the fear of one another, but that distance is good, but the, but the turning away from is not. And I, I think if we can, um, in some way, continue to serve people in some way, continue to inspire people to remind them they are not alone, uh, to remind them that maybe tonight they are around the family table in a way that let's be honest, this country desperately needed a few months ago before Corona. So, um, there, there is a, a role to play here, reminding ourselves the truth about what's going on. And if we can do that with a meal, um, aren't we privileged to do so? That's a special, that's a special thing. And I think, um, I think in so many ways we feel like we're doing exactly what we used to do. Maybe it just looks different. Well, a thing that's really important to remind, um, viewers and ourselves is that this is about values, right? And, and for the entrepreneur, the creator, there's, a uh, you've, you put a stake in the ground of who we are, what we stand for, um, you said earlier, um, right when we got started, you know, this is, is about um, being agile and nimble. Those are our um, values that we wanted to um, instill in ourselves and one another and our staff. Um, and so it's not, it's not necessarily how you show up. I think it's that you show up. And, you know, for the folks at home, um, Again, our audience, as you all know, is is just millions of creators and entrepreneurs all over the world for whom this has just been a, you know, a sledgehammer into the middle of their world. And and so this idea of holding on to the values um, and being able to stay nimble and being able to evolve and to be able to you know, supply a service, um, some inspiration to make people smile, to still create um, and you know, go back to what Brady said, like, it doesn't matter if I'm, you know, cooking duck cassoulet or ice cream sandwich or, um, you know, cote yeah. de boeuf. It's like, it, it's, it's just that you show up and you do it in your own individual way. Uh, I think that is a, is, is a great reminder for all of us. Um, again, regardless of the, the, what industry you're operating in. I think I heard Brady chime in there. What were you saying, bud? Oh, I just said, our tweezer food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brady, show them your shirt. This is uh, funny. The, the minute we announced this, you know, somebody tweeted back at us like, oh, great. What did he say? Like, oh, great. Now Candace is You got to go a little higher. Go. And I was like, yeah, you definitely can. Like, yeah, let me see that shirt. Let me see that. I didn't catch it. Nice. Uh, it, <laughs> it says, delivering lukewarm Tweezer food since 2020. <laughs> the whole kitchen's wearing them. It's like their favorite shirt now. And, um, you know, I think that uh, it, it's interesting. This is a time for creativity. Yeah. Um, this is a time to create. And um, it's what we do as, um, as a civilization. We, um, I think that when there is hardship, um, it binds us together. Yeah. And um, under stress, under duress, um, we see these things happen. We see metals be refined uh, under the heat. Right. And I think um, even though Seattle maybe got knocked back on its heels a little bit, like it had the wind 
you know, knocked out of it. Yeah, we got it first. We weren't prepared. Um, sure, that is our story. And I think also our story is our second response. And if our first one was slow and a little bit devastated, our second one has been um, creative and um, beautiful and resilient and scrappy and pioneering. And um, that isn't a story just about this town. I think it's a story about this country in so many ways. So this is a time for that. And um, it's going to take that. It's going to take that and uh, out of every one of us. I think you're right, Chase. It isn't, it's about showing up. And then, and I remind myself all the time, like, um, well, yeah, I can't fix this. Right. I think we all have this massive burden on our hearts right now. Like, Oh wow. Overwhelmed by what we see in here. Um, but nobody died and made me king. And, and I sure as hell ain't God. So like, it's not my role to fix it. It's my role to look to the person on my right and my left and to say, Hey, are you good? Um, cause we got this. And I think saying that out loud is, is something that has remarkable power and whether, um, you're saying it to someone six feet away, um, or whether you're shouting it across the street at your neighbor or whether you're saying it with your eyes through the window of someone while you're marshalling traffic, um, in the city streets, um, we have to say it. We have to remind that um, one to another that we can do this. And um, it doesn't always feel that way. I get that. Yeah. It hasn't always felt yeah, like I think, in the restaurant. I, I think we should also apologize for the terrible grammar on our hashtag. Uh, we were <laughs> sitting around the table and we, we actually wrote this. We wrote this email to all the, all the guests that we were canceling. Like the reservation. Like Mark wrote this beautiful email and like, guys, we, we have to close the restaurant, but we're opening the drive through and so hard, uh, so, you know, like we have, we're, we're, and then at the very bottom, he says, no, um, Jeff is like, no one's ever going to read that. Like, like you got to shorten it. She's like, that's lovely. And, yeah, all. and so no one will ever read that. And you thing. said, no, but you said, we've, we've got this Seattle. Yeah. It was nice. And then we were about to tweet it or Instagram or whatever. And we needed a hashtag. And so I looked at your letter and, I just said, well, let's do, let's do hashtag we've got this Seattle, but it looks so weird with the proper grammar. And so <laughs> Mark says, uh, let's just do, you know, we, we, we got this. And yeah, you don't we didn't think, think we, it's a thing. Drop the apostrophe. V-E. It doesn't <laughs> really we got this. Yeah, and so if you, <laughs> if you fast forward to today, hashtag we got this Seattle is flying on top of the space needle, um, <laughs> which is, uh, which which is awesome and so fun that this thing caught fire and so fun to talk about the just the the spirit of this city um though uh it is kind of funny it does we did get a lot of people saying are you referring to the fact that you have the virus now that, is that what you have oh Seattle? come on Tundra is effective. come on come we, on yeah uh, <laughs> we we, we thought this Seattle also would have worked, but I don't think we, we were at that time. No, I no, think no. You got to ask yourself the question: like, it touched a nerve. Like, what nerve did it touch? Like, why did we all need to hear that at that time? And um, it was emotional for us to write it. It was emotional for us to sort of say it out loud, to say it to our team, um, and to make a public statement. I don't know on a website. Um, but it worked for us, and I think I think um, as as we as a city sort of um, picked ourselves up a little bit from the initial blow of it, I think it um, I think that encouraging word was just healthy to the bones of this town, and uh, or it was just uplifting. And 
and a reminder of um, a reminder of another truth. I mean, yes, the one truth is that this is hard. This is bad. It's as bad as most of us have ever seen, unless you go to. Um, <laughs> I've been receiving a lot of encouragement and wisdom from the elderly right now, who seem to be twice as courageous as any of anyone in my age group, 30s and 40s. Um, I don't know. You talk to someone in their 70s and 80s, and they've seen it. They've seen things. Maybe it wasn't a pandemic of Corona, but um, they have been through suffering. They've been through brokenness. They've seen uh, the. They've seen more than we have, and they yeah. are wiser than we are. And I take encouragement from them. And so I, I think that um, there are two truths. This is hard, and also we can do this. Um, yeah, those things can be true at the same time. I think that's yes. a really, really important thing to remember. Uh, and you said it eloquently. Um, just uh, again, shouting out, I'm, I'm seeing some comments from Scott, the Seattle food geek, um, asking a question that I wanted to ask you because it's a, it's a good one. Um, and I'd like to hear from each of you in, um, in a three-sentence maximum answer. We're going to play a little game here. Scott writes, do you think the new model is something that other restaurants are capable of copying or does it require something that is scarce like resources, space, or some special leadership? So each of the three of you, I'd love to hear from Brian first. Is, is what you're doing replicable? It can't be copied. It's, we're using the assets that we have that are unique to us. Brilliant. But I think every restaurant can be creative and use whatever assets are unique to them. Is that two sentences? Three? Yes, it's it, it was effective. Well done. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's a, I think it's a mindset. Mm. Um, now you're going into four sentences. You're stealing time. Sorry, I'll stop. Oh, but but Ma here's my fifth sentence. It's actually, I need to give credit. Scott Heimendinger is the guy who gave us the idea for piano live stream, um, which is now becoming a big thing. And it was Scott's idea. So thanks, Scott. Well, we're excited to broadcast that a little later tonight. I think we're going to go there at 7 p.m. to join you all for the, the piano broadcast. Brady, do you think the new model is something that uh, other, it says restaurants, but I think other uh, creators and entrepreneurs can are capable of replicating. Well, I agree with Brian. So did not be redundant. I think, I think what we're doing is unique to, to who we are and you know, what we have, the resources that we have. But I, I talked to a lot of chefs and restaurateurs when we first announced this thing. And I, I told them, I was like, look, what we're doing won't work for you, but just do it was mostly I was talking to other cities who had not yet kind of been hit by the pandemic or the, the, the virus that really like hit, yeah. Yeah, hit, their, hit their cities and to the extent as it did here. So I was just like, hey, do the work up front, like do the thinking. It, it's a lot of all of our I think our hardest work has been the thinking work and the work around the table. Um, running, running, cooking food is, is easy, like in a way, like um, but anyone can take the time to, to think through scenarios and, and, and be creative uh, and figure out what could work for them. Um, 
to sustain as long as, as, as possible. Love it. Love it. And uh, let's go back to you, Mark. I think it's such a good question. One sentence. Um, <laughs> what we're doing is our story. And I think everybody has the ability to create their own story right now. So, the question absolutely And the question really is then what what will your story be, right? Yeah, the, the what's repeatable is to sit around a room and to, and to say, what can we do? And it's not going to look like a drive-through. And if you don't own a restaurant, it's not going to look like delivery. But people sit in every one of those rooms. Just have the the, the courage to ask the question. Um, this is a time for courage and a time for a little crazy. I mean, look, a lot of people said what you guys are doing is nuts. It's going crazy. And we're like, yep. Well, I want to, I want to, um, you've used up your three sentences, but I love it. I love it. That's why I, I, I wanted to play that game. Um, but let's shift gears for a second because I remember when, um, I don't know, I think I was talking to Brian about your your live streaming piano setup, and we figured that this is a thing that we needed to do to have you guys on Creative Lab to talk about your adaptations. And um, and I also I remember hearing that um, from you, Brian, that a lot of people were in your restaurant world were writing in and asking questions, and a lot of your entrepreneurial friends were were writing in with questions and. I mean, I'm I'm more than willing to actually answer some of those questions, or let give you guys the space to answer those questions, um, so we can direct you know folks to this broadcast, and you don't have to answer all the emails. But if um, you know, in the absence of you guys having those questions at your fingertips or your computer in front of you, what were some of the the chief questions that you were getting from your creator slash chef slash restaurateur entrepreneur friends? Uh, a few of them were, were just logistical. Um, insurance. How do I, is it legal to have your servers deliver meals as far as your insurance policy? Because we were trying to figure out, it's pretty easy to keep the kitchen employed because they're making food. And I don't think we ever finished that uh, meant that, that conversation thread, but we closed the drive-through, but now we're doing about a thousand meals a night in delivery and we're doing cocktails by delivery and we're doing this piano thing and we're doing wine delivery. And, uh, so we're still very busy and it's easy to keep the kitchen employed. It's less easy to keep the dining room employed. And so we made them all drivers. Um, and so, yeah, there's actually, um, they're working on legislation that allows drivers personal insurance uh normally there's a clause that says they can't uh be delivery drivers on their personal insurance but they're now there's a covid19 way around that clause if you call your insurance company um they can also go on your own commercial insurance um as long as you've already insured at least one vehicle we actually own this green truck 
And because we already insured one vehicle, it was easy to add on the other vehicles. But it's just a matter of get, getting on the phone with your insurance company and working it out. People are trying to help. Um, there's questions about what is the software to pull off delivery and takeout? And that, that was a great question because there wasn't any. Uh, in fact, the, the reservation system that we use is called Talk. It's done by a guy named Nick Kakonis um, in Chicago. And um, we actually called them because they're one of the most agile and quick and smart software companies out there. And we said, hey, we're going to go to do takeout and delivery. Uh, can you help? We're, we've figured out a way to kind of patchwork our, our dining room version of the software to kind of work. And he said, um, okay, that sounds cool, but our entire office is at home. We've shut down for a while. Um, I don't think we can pull this off before you guys launch. And then he calls back a half hour later and says, we are so excited. This is the best idea. We're bringing our entire team in. We're going to work 24 hours a day around the clock and launch this thing. And they did it in three. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. And so now that software is, is available uh, to any restaurant in this country. And it's smart and intuitive. And I don't think they're even charging for it. Um, it gives people the tools to put this together. And then an, another piece of software that we just started with that is blowing our minds is called Routerific. And they're helping also giving, they're, they're giving discounts to restaurants. Um, Routerific is this genius software that you, you take a spreadsheet that Talk gives you of all your orders and you put it into Routerific and, router, and you tell Routerific how many drivers you have. And then it prints out perfect instructions for each driver in the most efficient way to deliver the meals in the hottest way and at also, what time. Also puts the directions on their phone. Also allows you, I mean, I delivered a meal last night. You just text like, hey, this is Mark Candles. So I'll be there in 10 minutes. Um, you know, warm up the oven right around the corner. With those two pieces of software, any restaurant could do delivery pretty easily. Let's uh, let's recap yeah. those because I don't even know what what uh, <laughs> Brad was saying. Routerific is that what it is? R O U T E R I F F I C. Talk with T O C K. Ah, here we go. I was... think it's expl ExploreTalk.com. Um, those are the two pieces that you need, and you know, I think the third unsung piece that is one of the reasons that we've been so successful. We're one of the few restaurants that uh, keep an artist. Uh, on retainer, uh, yeah. we have a guy named Don Clark who works for a firm, his own firm called Invisible Creature. Uh, we have a guy named Jeremy Beasley who's also an artist and designer who does web stuff for us. And to have an, two artists on your team who can make what you're doing beautiful uh, and make it look like you have your... Uh, your shit together, even if you don't. Um, we were chaotic over here, but we were delivering um, to the public this beautiful um, that put helped. together. Not essential. It helps a lot um, to employ creatives to turn our businessy, crazy concepts into something that the public can look at and say, I can trust that. Uh, and so we had a brand new website launched within 24 hours because of Jeremy. We had all brand new art because of Don and Invisible Creature, like those types of things are what give the public the confidence of, oh, these guys know what they're doing. Yeah. And that's very, I think that's very important. I think a lot of restaurants don't invest in 
art and in design, they think that um, the other things are more important. And we firmly believe uh, they are not. No, that's a, that's a great point. And I think there's a shout out to the creatives. No, no, it's great. And I think it's, it's also a shout out to investing. I think there's always a desire to maximize what people, there's often rather a desire to maximize what you're extracting from your business, either as a creator or an entrepreneur. And, um, I'm reminded of, you know, the financial crash of 2007, eight, nine, and I invested I had been investing and had a rainy day fund because I, I didn't feel the need to live above my uh, needs and I wanted to invest. And that investment really paid off in that time um, when everyone else was um, requiring to extract the maximum value as in like dollars from their business so they could, you know, maintain um, a continuity to their life. Um, so there's, I think there's an underscored theme, not just about investing in creativity, but investing in your business and yourself such that, um, you know, what, what is the, the smallest amount of money you feel like you can take off the table, even in times where business is booming so that, um, in a downturn or in an, if, you know, if an opportunity presents itself to, um, be in a better position to, to succeed. Um, well, I think, Chase, there's also there's room there such that profitability is not the most important thing for a company, right? So uh, it, it, to your point, to try to maximize that is, a, we believe, a terrible strategy for any business. Yeah. Uh, granted, we're not a publicly traded company, um, so we have a little more f- freedom and leeway there. But for Canlis, profitability is a rule to the game. It's not, it's not a strategy. The rule just says you need to make a certain amount of money otherwise someone else takes your restaurant right so uh, we it's very specifically moved that out of the equation um so that we could focus on the things that i think really matter and and those are those are people to be quite honest uh, those are the people around us so love it love it i and know just um just real quick Please. i just got a text from jeremy who's watching it's routific not routerific <laughs> uh just route Routific. Maybe Routerific should be their new tag. <laughs> routific. It's like, it's routific. We can make a little jingle out of it's that. It's like Rotor Rooter, but for drivers. <laughs> oh, I think it's fantastic to uh, share some of the little micro innovations that are happening in real time. And in a world world, in a weird world, and in a way that maybe is different than because we're no longer business as usual, there's an opportunity to discover solutions. Um, you know, m- most of the problems that we're trying to solve here have been solved just with a slightly different context. And there's lots of examples. I mean, again, we've been building creative live for 10 years and who knew that a live broadcast platform, you know, even after making thousands and thousands of live broadcasts and classes was going to just like the live aspect again, was going to, um, you know, help not just, uh, teach but entertain and inspire so we're, we're trying to like look at i think you know so many of these answers are right under your nose um and you know this idea of uh the solution being right under your nose does make me want to go back to chef and say you know when you're um when you're looking at the you know we basically have been talking over the last five minutes about the ingredients you know i think um Brian started off with like, do what you can with what you have. And I'm wondering from uh, Chef Brady's perspective, is there a, 
Um, are you limited on what you can receive right now as far as food shipments and from where you can get them? Um, no, I mean, we're not limited. Our purveyors are definitely affected in the same way. Um, as restaurants close, there's less of a need for ingredients, right? So yeah. um, on the contrary, one of the things that we've kind of like des- we, we've done is like we've designed our menus around uh, as well as we came up with the idea of doing a CSA uh, box, um, which is a box full of <clears throat> protein and produce from our favorite farmers. Um, we've built our menus around what our purveyors' needs are. So we've, you know, I've spent the last five years here developing relationships with a lot of farmers and um, artisans and um, producers um, who are also affected by this. I mean, it's no farmer's markets anymore, right? So um, if if anything, it's just a for me, it's now a conversation of, hey, what do you have a surplus of? What do you need to move? And let us help you and support you by designing um, a menu or a package a- around that. So um, we're not feeling necessarily uh, limitations in terms of um, products to cook with or, uh, you know, produce. All the food still out there. It's However, grown up. I think that if anything, it's been a, uh, the, the kind of the, the one thing is um, it's really hard to get to go packaging because everyone is doing takeout and uh, to go. So um, we've had to be probably most adaptable with like what our delivery meals go in on any given night because every restaurant sounds a go restaurant and there there was there weren't um, there wasn't an endless uh, supply of to go packaging. serve everything in a milkshake format here pretty soon right (laughs) that's what we're going to be left with if everyone um we we have had to change the way we receive so in that sense we don't allow anyone outside the restaurant in uh we don't even allow our drivers into the restaurant um we we receive everything out by the front door now just because that's our crew we know what's going on we can do it in an orderly way and we're bringing in more food than ever so um, I do think a lot of your systems, it's not like you could just run the restaurant the way you used to run the restaurant. Everything is different now. And so we're thinking through a lot of those systems daily as like, okay, well, wait a minute. We should do this differently and we should do that differently. So now when you pull up at the restaurant, you just see all these boxes. Um, and we've got, and, and that's, those aren't kitchen folks, by the way. Those are dining room. That allows us to employ more of the dining room. So they're out there signing for deliveries and writing checks and bringing everything in and, it's just a lot of things need to be reconsidered. I love it. I love it. So I think it's interesting now to shift gears and, and um, go beyond just the logistics. And, you know, we opened with some of the um, just challenges that you all are facing and that are facing creators and entrepreneurs everywhere. And now that you're up and running, um, and I use that, that term, um, with air quotes, maybe <laughs> up and running uh, as your third restaurant um, iteration here in as many weeks, um, you're clearly shifting gears to be able to um, bring in some aspects of surprise and delight. Um, I know I was talking to your brother uh, <laughs> about Dungeness crab delivery, and um, you know we've been speaking about uh, the piano live stream that we're going to be bringing you um, a little bit later uh, this evening. And 
Is that something that you have prioritized or was there a, a strategy that we needed to get all of our infrastructure in place? And, and are you now at the place where you feel like you've got something sustainable and you're looking for ways to surprise and delight? Because I know as a creator of experiences, as an, as an artist and an entrepreneur, that those are the things that, you know, you might get someone the first time, but the things that keep them coming back are these just beautiful little yeah. touches. And you guys are so well known for that. Are you now in a place to do that? And how important has that been as we're, again, we're talking to a global audience of creators yeah. who are trying to prioritize? I, um, as a company who spent 70 years trying to get really good at that, um, we take some relief in knowing that that is not as important right now. Um, and so we could look, we could push this thing harder and, um, yes, we could make the boxes that we're sending to people. We're using a rubber stamp for crying out loud. Right. So, um, I just don't think it's as important right now. And, uh, I think the safety of our staff is paramount. Uh, the thing that is most on my mind is how do we operate in and through this building? You know, the earlier question that says, is this a function of space? Yes, in part. Uh, we have a large restaurant. We have a massive parking lot. We're using every square inch of the entire property in order to space everything out. Um, maybe because we've been changing every seven days, we haven't had the luxury to get there. I, I would love to get back into that. I think it's fun and important. Um, maybe because of the ideas themselves come with some inherent amount of surprise and delight. Uh, to have a piano, you know, you pull out your box and there's all the food and then there's on the bottom of your menu it says, you know, go to this live stream and the piano will be playing in the background. Um, I don't want to, uh, it's not that it's unimportant. It's just not the priority that it used to be. I think safety right now is the priority. I think even those of us that are in essential businesses um, have... Um, a heightened, or I might even say extreme responsibility to do everything we possibly can uh, to fight the war against this thing spreading. Um, and so we take that really seriously. Um, and, and and you can't do it all at once. So um, yes, uh, next week I understand we're putting flowers from a, from a, a farmer who has a zillion tulips. Um, there are opportunities, but it's not a priority. Um, we're going to be looking for that as as this thing wanes on i think it'll become more important but right now it's about getting your feet underneath you doing it in a safe manner and um and taking care of yourselves uh you know we we're prioritizing the way that we rest and sleep and restore ourselves as a staff that's of critical importance right now and so kind of backing off some of the other things that normally a company like ours would be leaning heavily into I think that's a great perspective and it really helps um, frame the conversation because what I, I, you know, having hosted this show for 10 years now, more than 10 years, I think 11, um, there are, a, there's a really consistent theme um, across, I think not just our community, but across humanity around like other people have it figured out and I don't. Um, mm -hmm. And, and so mm -hmm. I think when someone you know, looks at the work that you all are doing and how you've innovated and the fact that someone wants to come to your front door to pick up a thousand hamburgers, um, you know, yeah. is a luxury. And, um, but the reality is, is that, you know, you've been building that community for 70 years. And Long so time. 
Yeah. And so, so but what also I would want people to hear, we don't have it figured out. I mean, I joke about this, Brian and I've been running this restaurant for, uh, of those 70, I don't know what we're responsible for now, 17. And, uh, and we say all the time, we, we feel like we're just getting the hang of it. And yeah. I, I, we don't have it figured out. And I wouldn't want someone to think that about us. I think we're good at figuring it out. Those are very different things. Um, so I, 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 there, it, to me, there's so much uncertainty in a 70 year old company. There's so much uncertainty in the way we're going to operate. Um, if there's anything that is a hallmark of this team, it's that, um, we run into something and then we figure it out. I don't, yeah. mean to put you know, the image out there that we have the answers. We don't have the answers. No, it's important. Sorry, go ahead, uh, Brian, what were you saying? I was just saying, I, I was thinking earlier to Scott's question, can any restaurant do this? I, I do believe one of the things that makes Kenless unique and strong and able to do this is we only have one restaurant. We have mm-hmm. so much talent packed into this one building uh, because we haven't expanded. If we were to open another restaurant tomorrow, we'd send half of our best people there. And then, and then you open another one and you keep spreading your talent and it's hard. Here we have everyone in one spot. So I think it would be, I think it'd be very difficult uh, for restaurants that are one of a large group um, to be able to make, be, because I think there's, honestly, it's, uh, there's, a, there's a smaller concentration of, and longevity of people uh, I mean, this team's been working together for a long time. Um, there are there are a lot of strengths to growing. And I think that is one of the weaknesses. Yeah, um, um, no, that's great. Great. Sure. Yeah. In a different economy, the weakness of Canlos is that we just don't grow the same way. But in this economy, <laughs> that weakness becomes a strength. Where um, we have mustered all of our forces tight. We're very lethal. We're very lean. We're very agile, and we have the ability to sort of move in the direction that we need to very quickly. And this way, I think small business will have an advantage, um, which um, great. <laughs> they could use all the advantage they can get right now, um, but they have the ability to, um, to make the courageous moves, to make the courageous change. They also have typically, I'm, I'm generalizing right now, but they also have the personal reach from a leadership standpoint and don't underestimate that. Uh, this um, idea that we have been working together for a long time and trust one another implicitly um, is a currency right now that cannot be uh, uh, over esteemed or, or valued too highly. Um, and so in general, the smaller the company or the more sort of homespun it is, and this is a pretty homespun spot, um, the more family run it is, the more you're going to be able to go quicker with your people because um, you have those the the foundation of relationship built up, and that that makes it that makes us effective. Uh, I think that's uh, there's wisdom in in those statements for sure. Um, I want to uh, go back to Chef for a sec. Um, I don't know. I'm if, up, to, up here right after. Right yeah, after. I, I figured. I figured. I'm I'm looking at our uh, our timeline here, and I know we agreed you'd you'd have to balance. Is there anything behind the scenes that you feel comfortable showing us? I know you're sitting in your dry goods room. Yeah, like the kitchen's just in kitchen mode. It, it there's nothing there that would be more like remarkably <laughs> remarkably different than like a normal operation right now, except 
Everyone's six to ten feet away from each other. <laughs> Everyone's six feet away, and we I mean, luckily we have a private dining kitchen, so we're doing like prep pretty spread out. Um, but I mean, like this is just behind me is like all of our to go stuff. This is just back stock, um, and I'm sitting like right next to the bar in the restaurant. So this is typically what one six tables, seven tables of guests. Oh, so you're um, you're on the floor right now. Can you hit unblur your screen so we can see those boxes? I don't know, the, how, I don't know how to yeah, do that. I think it's the that. default, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Staring at like you know in like the part of the restaurant by the windows, <clears throat> which overlooks the city, is all uh, got probably like two thousand to go boxes. Wow. Ready to go. So. Yeah, my, uh, my favorite well, table. No, our, my favorite table is right around yeah, the corner our, to your left there. Yeah, your the your one. favorite table is right here, which is the bar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, uh, which is a, a roped off area where they're doing cocktail kitchen. Wow. It's it's cool, Chase. You wouldn't you wouldn't recognize the dining room. Every area of it is a different type of either the the place where we do the stamping of the boxes or building uh, boxes or constructing kit. Like everything is. It's out. It's a manufacturing <laughs> plant. <laughs> yeah, blurred the background. So, yeah. um, oh, there you go. Nice moves. But, there. Yeah, text out. And there's the so. bar. Yep, I see that. There's my uh, table. Yeah, right so the bar team is not allowed screen. out of the bar, and no one who's not on the bar team is allowed into the bar, so we can keep them separate. Oh wow. Um, well, again, I don't. I don't know. Um, I, I know chefs chef's got to bounce, so I want to uh, respect that time and say um, thanks for uh, joining us, Brady. I know um, I'm going to try and get my hands on. I was negotiating with uh, <laughs> with Brian earlier about trying to get my hands on some Dungeness crab, but um, well, thank- you you owe me an email back. We've got the box ready for you. I know, I know, I know, I know. Um, well, thanks for having me. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Keep doing what you're doing, and um, uh, if you, those of you on the internet, um, what's the best way to track uh, your social handle there, Brady? What's what, where are you at so that people know how to find you? Through the restaurant, Canvas Restaurant on Instagram. Uh-huh. Well, uh huh. Williams Brady, last name, first name on Instagram. That's all I got. Awesome. No, that's, yeah. that's fantastic. Um, thanks again for joining us and I uh, appreciate you being a part of the broadcast. Thank you. Okay, bud. So, uh, let's go back now. I made, I made a couple of notes earlier. Um, I want to shift gears because as you said, um, Brian, you are a proud new father of your third child. And right now there are you know, lots of people listening from all over the world who are parents and having a newborn as fresh as yours is like, how are you doing it? I think there's a lot of, um, we have a need for a lot of empathy in this time where people are working from home and have young ones or, um, or in your case, a newborn, how are you managing it? Uh, well, the short answer is I'm not, um, meaning my wife is on newborn duty. Yeah. I guess I want, uh, I'm saying actually, you, I, it's really you, you we, and your family. I, Cause I know your wife well, and yeah, she's what, a superhero. What, so what we've done actually is we've, so I have a, I have a four year old, a two year old and a, now a one month old. Um, and I kind of have the two and the four year old 
and she has the the infant. Uh, and we're, we feel we're like we're both single parents of these two different families. Um, and it's hard. I, I tell you, the thing that makes it doable is having a brother who is a business partner who uh, has your back. Um, so even now, I'm only back part time. I'm working about five or six hours a day. Three or uh, four. Mark is working. Mark Sorry. is working. <laughs> Three and four. <laughs> um, and uh, and so um, it's awesome to be able to be a part. I'm, I'm working the least amount of hours out of any manager in this company. And that is a gift from my company to my wife and I. Um, and it's probably the biggest gift from Mark because most of that burden falls on him. Um, and it's, it's hard. It, it, I tell you, um, I feel like both home and the restaurant have their own form of like mini of, of crisis. I mean, adding, having three kids that are tiny is feels like a crisis every day. And the restaurant is, um, and I think, I think the key is being able to completely detach from one and pour and, uh, mm-hmm. but you can't hold both at the same time. Yeah. Fair. Um, when I go home, um, I, I, I need to be a dad and let all of it go. And you can do that if you have a, a business partner and a brother and a chef and a team that just can do it. And then when I'm at the restaurant, I have a, the most amazing wife. Uh, we have this incredible nanny that watches the two toddlers for the five hours that I'm here. Uh, and I can let my family go. Um, it's a little bit of a whiplash every day. Um, your neck hurts. Um, but you have to be able to be completely present, which is something I, I wrestle with, but I'm getting better at, uh, no matter which piece of that world that I'm facing. Eloquently spoken. Um, I don't know, Mark, was that, do you feel like that was, um, my, my view? Really of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know, but, but I mean, like I, I witness your guys' relationship for, you know, certainly, at least 20 years now, right before you were running it and now having run the restaurant. And it seemed like there was always a, a give and take. Um, and so do you look at this as, as, as a gift or is it, um, part of just being a good partner and showing up for your, your team? How how do you view it? Um, no, I mean, clearly one of the secret weapons of this restaurant is the fact that there are two of us and, um, and less secret is the fact that we're married to two really incredible women. Um, and so I, I think if there's something, if you're listening right now, obviously you're like, yeah, good for you. I, I don't have a restaurant and I don't have a brother and I, maybe I don't have a, 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 an incredible wife at home. Um, I think the, the message here is um, all of us have a network that we lean on. And yeah, maybe we're on the one on screen, but you don't see the army, you know, like behind this team. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, Brian's been, uh, otherwise occupied. Um, and you know, I have, my wife has been taking care of our three kids at home and, um, behind her is, is her sister and her family and our parents. And, you know, and I think that story is true. The more we look into the reality of our own lives, the more we realize how much we lean on the people around us, how much we are a product of them, of their love and of their support. And Canlis is a is a, is that story. And so, yeah, Brian has been gone for a little bit. Having him back this last couple of weeks has been 
game changing for us. Um, but the but the story of he and I, uh, the story of this restaurant, whether it's Brady or whoever is leading this place, is the story of all the people behind us supporting us, who you just don't get to see. And we have been blessed with just a remarkable. Um, starting w- probably with Mackenzie and with Anne Marie, with Brian and I's wives, um, just a remarkable team of, of folks. But there are people on every corner of this planet thinking about and praying for this place, and um, and we'd be nuts not to to highlight that. And I think that's just um, you know whoever you are, I think that's just true about who we are as people. We're, we're yeah. a product of the people we spend time with, and. Um, yeah. So mom and dad, who I'm sure are watching this right now, um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of people who have um, given us so much in order to get to where we are today, serving, delivering dinners. Well, I think it's uh, it's a remarkable if I can jump in for a second. I, I wrote a book in the fall, dropped it in September called Creative Calling and 25 percent of the book, a full quarter of it is dedicated to community and building community. And I think. For solopreneurs or those kitchen counter entrepreneurs or part-time entrepreneurs or, um, you know, any myriad of people who find themselves or have created a, a role for themselves where they're following their passion or getting a business off the ground and you've, you're looking at other folks, whether on Instagram or at the small business association meetings or wherever you go and you're, there's this perception of, uh, of, uh, of success or of having a quote network. And I, it's really important. And I want to, uh, I'm going to form this in, in the, or this, uh, I'm going to turn this into a question here at the end, but I like the community is this sort of massively misunderstood, um, aspect of, I could say, every you know creator and entrepreneur but it's fair to say every human being because the facts are the biology is that we are social animals and as um as you know when things get hard we often go inside and our self-talk changes and um and then there, there's the perception that people who have a, a network or in the case of canlis when you've been building your community for 70 years you know, that is probably one of the things that's making what you're doing possible. That's making a thousand people line up outside your door for a burger. And so, you know, this is certainly loaded, but you know, what role has community, you know, not just your direct family, but you know, your outreach to other restaurateurs to become a, or to be a, a, a member of the larger food and restaurant community, the wine community, service community, um, you know, what role do you think that has played part one? And then part two, what I'd be wanting you to expand on is how have you and the team at Canlis specifically cultivated community? Hmm. Brian, I'll take a stab at that. Those are big questions. Me? That's, this is your <laughs> wheelhouse. Um, you well, start. All right. I, to the second question first: How do we cultivate community? Um, uh, congratulations for getting your book out. Uh, mine is ten years in the making, and um, <laughs> oh, that's it's dark circles under my eyes. Uh, it's about this. Still, <laughs> still working on table of contents. Still working on the table of contents. You know, um, and maybe my, maybe I'll just use that as the answer. Uh, there's a reason that book isn't written. 
um, Brian and I work in the restaurant. So we come here every day. We're deeply involved in the lives of our staff. And then when we go home, we write this place off like it doesn't exist. And we're deeply involved in the lives of our children and of our friends and of our spouses. And I think right now, the, anyone's ability to be present with someone is directly related to your ability to have community. And it's hard to be present. I get it. There's a lot of distracting things out there. But we prize presence um, over other things. And, um, and that starts with just, if you just draw a little concentric circle around this place, it starts with our own homes and our own families. And then it goes right to this building and to the 100 employees here. And then just slowly radi radiating out. I, I think, um, I don't know, that's the first answer that comes to mind. I, I haven't written a book because, um, because frankly, to disappear and just to write, it seems an impossibility when we're this involved in the restaurant and, um, and in the lives of these people. And so I understand that's just, we haven't made it a priority, but I, I think it gets under told just how involved leadership actually is. Leadership is fancy speak for relationship. And we are, as you've mentioned, social creatures, yes, but made for relationship. And so um, if we're to, to nurture that, if we're to engage in that, um, then so much of the work is right here, right? Like if I want you to trust me, I have to be trustworthy. And I think all the relationships are based off of trust. And that's a full-time job just right there. No books and no restaurants aside. That's, um, that's all I can do. So I, I, I honestly think that it starts, it starts in here. It starts with a lot of self-work of saying like, um, you know, Zoolander, who am I? <laughs> who am I? What do I believe in? Um, and, and what do I stand for? And am I worth following? Am I, am I, am I a good friend? Like, these are the questions. Am I a good spouse? Am I a good father? These are the questions we have to be asking with, with total honesty. And then, um, and, and then, it, and then it, it happens out from there. Yes. 70 years of a restaurant in this town has built a huge community and that's why people an hour and a half to get a line for a silly burger, a really delicious and silly burger. But no, um, I think that's, a, I want to interrupt you for a second. Cause I think that's a really important you know, point that, you know, we keep coming back to like, there's a line at your restaurant, but that doesn't happen on accident. It doesn't happen overnight. And for people who don't have that right now, it's, uh, I'm suggesting that this is a cue that you can take from, you know, the people who are leaders that have been, whether you, you know, have been in business for 70 years or seven months, that it's, it, it needs to be a priority. Um, the presence that you mentioned when you're with anyone, but also, like, I know you, you, uh, you just talked about being, you know, doing some work with the James Beard Foundation. Uh, um, Brian was in South Korea. You were, you know, in New York. Um, Brady was on his way to um, Tokyo. Yeah. Like, this is what I mean about building community. You're, you're reaching out to other people. Hey, can I come see how you do things? And it's, it's active. It's not just passive. So can you talk to me about that? Um, you want me to take that one also, Brian? I love, what are you, are you in paternity leave over there? I'm just, you know, feel free to step in anytime here. No, I, you know, you're doing a great job. Thank you. Thank you. I uh, will, I, I had, yeah, go for it. 
All right. So, yeah. Uh, let's see. It's active. I, it's I, clearly active. You guys reach out to others. You have community. You participate in some of the dining awards. This is this is my point. Is this is not an accident that you're in this position. You have intentionally yeah, been I building it. Okay, Mark. I'll, 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 I'll say something. I was going to take it to the mission. I can't like I can't escape that. Like so, it like to uh, me from that point that everything. But go ahead. Well, no, that's that's a good place to go. I would just. It's not just reaching out. Um, Adding value. Everyone reaches out. Yeah, but it's, Mark said it before, it's, it's, being, it's actually being present with the people who are already in your life or that, who you do reach out to. So we, we do this thing in orientation with our new staff. And some of those staff have been here, I don't know, two or three or four months by the time they get to orientation. And we do this thing where we tell stories. We tell a four-minute life story, which seems like either a very long or very short time, depending on who you're talking to. And around that table of people that you've already known for months, in only four minutes, you learn an extraordinary amount about your a friend, a coworker, even my brother, who I've heard him do his story a thousand times. I'm like, really? I, it, um, you, you keep hearing things uh, because we never take the time to actually sit down, look at someone in the eyeballs, and really listen to who they are as people. And and so in all of the stuff that we do, going to other restaurants or conferences or um, in our own relationships, our own like, family, we we're on a we want to get to that place. Um, and it's in that place where you become you get to know the other human on the other side of the eyes uh, where you build a community that creates the types of relationships that we're talking about. Um, I think that like when you're in the hospitality business, um, which I read 14 or 15% of our nation is 4% of GDP. So a lot of people think about this. Um, I think you have to you have to do the real work of trying to understand what hospitality is, and um, it is not a transaction. It is has always been about relationship. So even when we go back to the beginning days of hospitality, when you this, this is uh, this is predating restaurants and hotels, right? These are people traveling from one place to another, and you have uh, at the end of your day or at the end of your rope, whatever you got to knock on some door. You're running out of of food or water or, or safety or daylight. And uh, that's where hospitality began. You knock on a door um, and you say, hey, I need help. I need you. I need a place to stay. I need a meal. Um, it came out of a very vulnerable place. Saying I need is a scary thing to do. And the person at the door had incredible power. Um, they are in their home. They're in their safest place. They're in their world. Um, all of the food and all of the safety is available to them. So hospitality at its very roots is this exchange of power uh, for the other, for the person who's in need, right? It was the ability to say to them, come in. It was the ability to make space for them. And, and that carving out of space, which I think of as a really generous act, that is where community comes from. 
that's where relationships come from. It's the garden out of which all relationships grow, really, is this idea that even though I wasn't expecting you, you knocked on my door. It was you were an inconvenience to me, but I saw your need. And I and I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to make that person's need my need. I'm going to make space for them. That's this whole business that we're talking about. This is why it's hard when you say, well, how does it exactly happen? Like, wow, we got to take it back 3,000 years. But here we go. Like, that's hospitality. It was the the generous act of making space for someone else and letting them in, caring for them. And, and that's a message that we needed pre-corona. It's a message we'll need post-COVID-19. Like, it's a message about humanity. And I think right now it's an interesting time to be looking at that. Here we are sequestered and quarantined in our own homes. You know, here we are um, gathering around the table with our own people, our own families. And here we are starting from scratch. Here we are saying it's a new reality. It's a new normal out there. And to be totally frank with you, the family table, America wrapped around their own table, cooking at home is a great platform from which to prepare our country for a new normal. You know what I mean? So do, yeah. it's, it's kind of taking us back to those things. I think that's where hospitality comes from. I think that's um, the foundation of this restaurant. And, and from that point, you get to the place that Brian's talking about where years later, in your own orientation, where the staff is supposed to be learning about canless, we've intentionally flip that around and we say we're going to learn about you and by the way after that mom and dad come in the restaurant one of their sole roles anymore is to sit down with the new employees and to have dinner with them and to hear their story to hear um who they are as people and what makes them tick and i don't know i don't know if that's what you're looking for but oh, it's, it's, exactly it's hard it's, to yeah, get to the it's not, it's, it's effort carry on top without going back to the roots of the thing. But that's, that's to me, it's crystal clear and it's often left unsaid and it's mysterious for most, like how did, how did this happen? And it is, you know, to me, your prescription was quite simple. It's like, you literally need to hold space with the people that you're trying to connect with and whether they're helping you or you're helping them or you're, you're trying to find the courage to ask for help. Um, or you're trying to be there to add value to someone else, like all of yeah. those things. That's a yeah, and think about it, Chase. It, think, it, it, literally, go back in time a little bit. That's not a comfortable conversation. I've had so many people say to me, "This is uncomfortable." Like you're damn right it is. It's very uncomfortable because that traveler, I assure you, was not from your town, was not from your tribe. They did not look like you. They probably didn't believe the same things you believed. They would probably have a different race and a different religion. This is the other, the ultimate other, capital O, other, right? This is the person who is completely unlike you. That's who you're making space for. Yeah. So we think of hospitality as like drinking rosé in the back porch with our friends. That's hanging on the back porch drinking rosé. That's not hospitality. Hospitality was this dangerously um, radical act of turning towards. So when people nowadays are like, oh, I'm feeling lonely, I'm like, huh. Maybe you need to find the person who is other than and make space for them. And and if I'm totally honest with you, it's what I'm craving for those people to do for me. It's what I need. Yeah. Desperate for it. Oh, I think I think a lot of us do. Maybe all of us do. I don't know. But anyway, that's um, 
more than you want it on hospitality. But um, that, that to me is where community comes from, is, is that it's ancient. We didn't make this stuff up. Oh, I love it. Let's hear from your brother. Yeah, how about that guy? Seriously. How's right, it going up there? Over okay. here in fatherhood. You got a coffee? My I, wife. I, I don't have any coffee over here. <laughs> my wife just texted. Oh, yeah. Does this work? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, yeah, there he is. Hey, Shepard. Hey, buddy. Shepard. Watching wow. us on the live stream. <laughs> is this a photo or is he live? <laughs> no, that was no. That's <laughs> no. That's just a photo. Oh, um, okay. I kept waiting for the move. That's what you got on your brain right now. That's what I got on my brain. What, what would Mackenzie say about hospitality? We should we should move oh, her. Oh man. What, what, what would she say? Yeah, about she, I think you guys have done an incredible job. I mean, even just in the way that. Um, uh, the way you've navigated this thing, the way you've had a baby, and 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 um, the way that you have uh, engaged the restaurant and also engaged the family. I don't yeah, know. I, no, I, this is it, you know to pick up the thread, um, Brian. We're we're talking about the intentionality behind building a community. That if you're not act- actively reaching out, and and Mark took it back to like that's in the roots of the hospitality, not just industry, but in our our humanity um, is in sort of connecting with someone outside yourself and that that is um that that is a active process and you know i was positing that you guys have been actively doing that for 70 years which is one of the reasons that you can um you know create success in a super dynamic and changing it's not the only factor but it's certainly that that people are willing to follow you that you've been leading and you've been adding value to the community for decades um so Maybe you can riff on that for a second, because I think it's an often misunderstood. Well, yeah, I think we, we also haven't talked about the fact that there's the task of task is the wrong word. The opportunity uh, when it when 150 to 200 people come into your dining room every night. Um, I mean, that that's an unreal. Uh, we're, we're, we're in a weird business where. You get to meet 200 new people every single night who are actually showing up at our front door in a good mood. Um, it's what's awesome about the restaurant business is they've come here for for good reasons. Everyone's happy on the way in and most of the time happy on the way out. Um, and most. so the, 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 other, the other challenge you face in our business when it comes to hospitality is what does it look like to do what Mark's talking about Um at a dining room table in a two and a half hour experience because it's so common and people have always people have felt this um, in other restaurants and maybe sometimes in ours when we're not at our best uh, when the hospitality is transactional and it's just um, gosh the, our, our least favorite question a server ever asked the table is uh, how are we doing today no, and I'm like, we, who's, are you a part of this? And when people talk to you, like you're not an actual human. Um, and so what does it look like to be present with real people? Like, with actual, yeah, this isn't, we're not actual strangers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's hard. It's, it's not easy to do. And, um, and it'd be really good for everyone to know that we fail at it routinely. Not only that, we fail at it with our own staff routinely. And so this isn't, um, 
this isn't something that we've accomplished. This is aspirational. Um, this is something that we that we hope for ourselves. And I think um, when we describe the values of Canlos, which are trustworthy and generous and other centered, that's not that's not a, off my resume. That's off of my epitaph, my tombstone. I'm hoping somebody writes that about me. I'm hoping that because we're greeting 200 guests a night and there's the crucible of having to ask the question, what does it look like to be authentic and to open up to these people? Um, I'm hoping that having done that, I'll become someone who is trustworthy. I'll become someone who learns how to be generous. And uh, generosity, by the way, is not a financial term. We're not talking about money here. I think every person on the planet has the exact same capacity for generosity. We're talking about the ability to incline your heart to turn towards somebody and make space for them. That's all we're talking about. So it's um yeah yeah it's a weird business to be in because you kind of have to can't get but it but it but it gets really fun when you start applying it to to a business model. And in this case, it's a restaurant. So when you apply it to valet, everyone talks about our our our, our valet drivers. And if, if you don't know, uh, we don't use tickets. And you know, we do a hundred cars a night sometimes. And so, how do you remember uh, waiting for you when you're without super cool? Yeah. And so, when you get up from the table, your car's there waiting for you, and there was never a ticket. And we do the same thing with coats. Uh, we take your coat and we say thanks, and we never give you a ticket. And people, um, when they learn the secret behind this system and they think there's video cameras or software or there's not, um, there's no. just the desire uh, to have hot, to have this, uh, to not turn you into a number. Uh, there's, if, if you care enough to not turn, so, like if Obama came and pulled up in whatever car he's driving, um, a regular a regular valet at a regular restaurant wouldn't give him a number because they would just remember because he's important enough to remember. But when the next guy comes uh, and you give him a number, you're automatically saying, well, I care about this person. They matter enough. But you, I don't. And so when you decide as a company to say, OK, everyone matters enough to not turn anyone into a number. To remember. Um, it's a really powerful thing. Yeah. Say, you matter enough for me to remember you. Dad, I, I, when I was learning how to run the front desk, Brandon, did he ever say this to you? I was like, yeah, well, Dad, I'm not very good at names. He's like, well, who's coming in next? I was like, well, I don't know. I'm not very good at names. He's like, you're not good at names because you don't care about the people. Okay, well, like right. when your father says that to you and he's training you how to, that hurts. Like, that's rough, right? Yeah. He's like, I'll pay you a million bucks to remember the next couple's name. And you're kind of like, really? He's like, well, yeah. See, now you're motivated. Now you care, don't you? Right. Like you didn't have a million bucks, but his point was well taken, which was if you care enough, you'll remember. And the valets, nobody cares more in the world than remembering your car than one of our valets. And I, I think it's just a beautiful picture or illustration of the power of another person mattering to you that much. Um, I, I, and, yeah. and, and it has to matter. No one comes to Camelot's because they're hungry i mean some, i mean they they come because tonight matters for some reason they come because uh you tonight really is special and it has to be honored um and so they are they're giving you they are trusting you with this uh with this thing that 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 matters to them so much and so 
if you don't uh, if you don't hold that thing that they're giving you, maybe it's their their, their daughter's thirteenth birthday, like that happens once, or the first date after having a baby, or it's uh, you and Kate coming after, like you guys had the worst day ever. And I remember you were you. Were, I don't know if you've been fighting all day, you and Kate, or you just had a hard business day. But you said um, we just needed to come and like be in a safe place and drink wine and look at each other's faces and and like uh, people come with this need uh, and and to treat them like a like a dollar sign or like a transactionary um, like a digit. I don't know. You have to serve that need. You're not serving dinner. Yeah. You're serving the need right. that the guests showed up with. And you're doing it with the things that you have. In our restaurant, that looks like fine dining or, or a, a fancy wine list or a view. You're, but the point is not the view or the food or the wine. Or even the industry. Those, right? Those it's, are tools that we have to serve the actual need. Does yeah, that make sense? It's, it's so true, but it's not actually even the industry. Like this is, you know, again, we're talking about creators and entrepreneurs operating in a completely different world and what are not just some tactics, but some strategies and some like high level conceptual thoughts. Like, what are we doing? Why are we here? What's happening? And to me, this has just been a beautiful conversation to bring us back to, you know, through the lens of your restaurant and your values. Um, you know, the two, uh, co-owner brothers here, Mark and Brian, if you're just joining us and earlier, the, the chef Brady Williams, like you're doing what you can with what you have in order to see the other, to make people feel connected to. And now more than ever before, that is a, an extraordinary value in a world where we don't actually have the, the, um, the opportunity to hug and to high five and to actually Mm -hmm. hand someone a coat and to make Mm -hmm. them feel special in, you know, how do we do that digitally? So, um, we're, we're running up against our time here and it's, uh, I, so I, I want to put a little bit of a, a virtual bear hug around, um, the both of you. And if you would extend that to, to Brady for being a part of our, uh, debut 24 hour round the clock live broadcast here at creativelive.com slash TV. Um, so, so grateful for letting us behind the scenes in, what's not just been working, but what hasn't been working and, and what innovation looks like in real time on the ground there. And, um, it's just, it's been an absolute treat. Uh, thank you for taking care of my wife, Kate and I for so many years Mm -hmm. and for, uh, being a guiding light, a, a leader in the creative community, the, the small business community here in Seattle and around the world. Um, anything you want to say to, uh, our people on the way out the door here? No, Chase Jarvis, we love you, and uh, you're doing good work, and keep it up. Be encouraged. I know that there's a lot of discouraging things out there, but um, if you could see the look on people's faces when we show up on their doors, uh, if, you could, if you could meet the thousand guests that we get to meet, you would, um, you would remember um, of the joy and the hope and the humanity that is out there and the strength in this, in this, um, in this town and in this country. So uh, thank you for, for having us on. It's been it's been an honor. Oh, it's a treat. And in, in, in one hour, 
next week's menus go online and they sell really fast. We're supposed to be working on this right now, but <laughs> well, what's, what is if the you best way to order dinner for next yeah. week? Uh, it goes quickly and it's at canlis.com C A N L I S.com. It's the best way for yeah. people to track you yeah. down. And of course on Insta, you're at Cam- and it, Chase. It's so fun. You should see online that people are getting dressed up uh, because everyone's in sweatpants all day, but for our, our meals, they're putting on dresses and suits and they're putting on the piano that we're live streaming, and it's like the one chance to just have this. Like, uh, it's so special to be a part of these memories of- and and toast to the things that we do have for one moment, for one meal, to raise a glass and say, "This is what I'm thankful for." To look someone else in the eye—that's what dinner's about right now. And man, it's a privilege to be just any small piece of that. So. Awesome. Well, thank yeah. you, gents, so much, and uh, kudos to how you've managed. Um, yourselves, your business, uh, the community of which you are um, a bright, bright spot. And uh, thanks for providing uh, that crab uh, for Kate and I. We are, we are more than happy to take you up on that. And um, I'll, uh, I'll reach out to you guys offline. We'll, we'll make this, we'll package right. this up nice and special because I know this is something that people want to hear. Um, we'll make it available to you and everyone in your community as well. And just to Another thank you for uh, all the people listening and watching here at CreateAloud.com slash TV. Really appreciate you, gents. And remember, you're also at Canless Restaurant. Is that right on Insta? Uh, I don't know. Yes. Yes, I think that's what we are. Cool. All right. And yeah, we, at Canvas Restaurant. Great. And we're, we don't know that. We are, we are super excited to bring uh, the piano from your dining room tonight at, uh, at 7 p.m. Pacific. So for those listening, come back and listen to that piano here at creativelive.com slash TV. And love you guys. Thanks so much for being on the show. Much gratitude. Thank Thanks, Jason. Awesome. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, that was an awesome episode. But before you bounce, just I got three quick thoughts. First, thank you for being in this community. It gives me so much juice. I can't even tell you so much juice that when I hit publish and this show goes out into the ether, that there's an amazing community of like-minded people just like you consuming and sharing the show. So thank you. Second, it would be huge. It would mean the world to me if you left a review at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Now, we're regularly featured at the top slot there on Apple's podcast page and others in Spotify, etc. And that's because of your reviews. So if you've ever wanted to uh, lend a hand or you got some value from me in the past and you want to pay it forward, that would be amazing. And then lastly, it would also mean the world to me if you shared the content that you get here whether it's a screenshot or a photo of where you're listening, anything via Instagram stories um, or any other social feeds, tagging me and the guests. Now, I repost this content and your comments all the time, so I would love to share your shoutouts in my feed too. Um, not only do these shoutouts, uh, are, are they good for you and me, but they also help us book amazing guests because they see the reach that you cultivate. This is a way for you to help contribute to the show. So again, want to say thanks i'm just at chase jarvis you can use at creative live as well and the guests are easy to track down because they are well they're usually quite well-known people um but again thank you so much for listening i'm looking forward to being in your ears again hopefully tomorrow